is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. Beginning July 5th, Adrian Curry takes on a new role as the Director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Adrian is the former Social Action Director for the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and has been working for the last year on her doctoral thesis at Lexington Theological Seminary, studying anti-racism in the Youngstown Diocese. Born and raised in Chicago, she previously ministered in a variety of roles in the Archdiocese of Chicago, including Program Director for Catholic Relief Services, which is the Baltimore-based international relief agency of the U.S. Catholic bishops. Adrian holds her Master of Divinity degree from Catholic Theological Union in Chicago. She joins us today to talk about some of her experiences in Black Catholic ministry, her goals for her new position in the Archdiocese, and we'll also touch on the upcoming Juneteenth celebration. Adrian Curry, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Thank you, George. So I, I know you are literally just moving to Baltimore right now. You, ha- you have some packing going on right now, but have you had a chance to have any steamed crabs yet? Not yet. I'm looking I... forward to it. When I was here for my interview, we had dinner at Father Ray Harris's parish, and he was telling me uh, that they do, for a fundraiser, a crab dinner. So I told him, put me down for a ticket, because I've never had steamed crabs before. Yeah, you'll definitely have to do that. In many ways, as you are well aware, the Archdiocese of Baltimore might be considered the cradle of Catholicism in the Black Catholic community. Uh, The Mm -hmm. very first first Black Catholic uh, Catholic Parish was founded here at St. Francis Xavier, which is still going strong in East Baltimore. And then, of course, we have Mother Mary Lang, who's on the mm-hmm. road to sainthood, and she founded the Oblate Sisters of Providence, which was the first religious community for Black Catholics, uh, founded in 1829. And a year earlier, she had founded St. Francis Academy as the first Catholic school in the country for Black Catholics, and, and that's still going strong today. And then you also have the Josephites, who are based here in Baltimore, and they're the religious society whose ministry is entirely focused on serving the Black Catholic community. And one of their priests, uh, Josephite Father Charles Uncles, was the first Black Catholic ordained on American soil yes. at, the, at the Baltimore I'm Basilica. very familiar. So you, 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 we've got that great tradition here that you're coming to a place steeped in a lot of tradition. What are your thoughts about the significance of Baltimore's place in Black Catholic history and, and how does it inspire you? I am always happy when I'm in a place where there are a lot of black Catholics. You know, coming from Chicago, we had a lot of black Catholics and a lot of black Catholic churches. Uh, The parishes, just like here, will be, I mean, some of them have closed or merged. So I love the historical part of being here. And... You know, I would highlight those moments, Father Uncles and, of course, Mother Lang and uh, all, well, all of the saints that are in process. I worked real hard with the Tolton uh, sainthood process. So I, 
I, I love that, the rich history, and everyone should know it. It's not just a black thing. It's the church. Absolutely. And, of course, we've got that campaign going on right now for the, the six African-American sainthood mm-hmm. causes going on. Is that something you'll be involved here to try to raise awareness in the, oh, yes. the parish? Yes, definitely. I knew Sister Thea personally. Oh, wow. So she, Yeah, yeah. She was a good person. Um, and like I said, I've, I've worked with the Tolton group. Bishop Perry uh, is coordinating that for the Archdiocese of Chicago. So I'm looking forward to promoting the causes of, of all six black saints. I will definitely highlight them for Black Catholic History Month in November. Mm-hmm. With all the many positive ways Baltimore has been a source of light, for the Black Catholic community and beyond, we also have a, a legacy of, of racism and segregation, as you know. And mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, Baltimore was the epicenter of national protest after Freddie Gray Jr. died while mm-hmm. in police custody. And St. Peter Claver, which is actually another historic Black Catholic parish here in West Baltimore, really became a focal point for healing and prayer and social justice during that time. Uh, what are some of the ways you hope to address the legacy of racism at, both at large in society and, and also within the Catholic Church here in the Archdiocese? Well, I always go uh, go about it through Catholic social teaching. I, my, so, my background is definitely social justice. And racism is, the bishops said that racism is a sin, and it's a, an affront to the dignity of the human person. So people need to understand that and try to live it better. But as they say, Catholic social teaching is our best kept secret. So part of my job will be to educate people on the principles of Catholic social teaching and apply it to everyday life. So definitely eradicating racism is part of that. Mm-hmm. And our Archbishop, Archbishop William E. Laurie, has written extensively on racial justice. Yes. As you know, he's, yes. he wrote, wrote two pastoral reflections about racism. And then he also started at the Journey to Racial Justice initiative. Uh, how do you mm-hmm. how do you plan to continue that work and, and use that initiative to further understanding in the church about issues regarding race and racial justice? Well, I haven't read the pastorals. Uh, I will before I start on the fifth, but I haven't read them yet, I, and I'm not familiar with all that has been happening with uh, in regards to racial justice here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, but I will definitely be applying some of the things that I did in Chicago. Um, We had an incident in between Cardinal Bernadine passing and Cardinal George coming, where uh, a group of white young men beat up a young black boy just because he was riding through their neighborhood. Mm. And so when Cardinal George came, he decided that something should be done. He established the Office for Racial Justice. And then the director of that office, Sister Anita Baird, uh, said that we need to do some kind of training. So we started uh, looking through trainings, and and, uh, she gathered a group of uh, diocesan employees and uh, school employees. And so I was part of that lead, that original team and part of the lead team. And we decided on Crossroads, an anti-racism group out of uh, Wisconsin. And we trained 
um, if you were principal or director of an office, you had to go through two days of training. If you were a teacher or a diocesan employee, you went through one day of training. And then we would do trainings together with the Episcopalians and Lutherans. And we trained a lot of people uh, before uh, the Cardinal disbanded the office before he passed away. Uh, we were trying to get into parishes. Mm -hmm. So I still have all that material, and I'll be using it, plus some that I've developed on my own. I, I remember many years ago there was a bishop in the archdiocese who made the observation that from his point of view, the white Catholics of the archdiocese tended to see racism nowhere, while the black Catholics tended to see it everywhere. And I don't know yeah. if that's if that's an accurate observation or not, or if it's changed over the years. But what are your, your thoughts It hasn't about? changed. It has not changed. No. And it's not up to black people to change racism. Mm-hmm. It has to be everybody, and it has to be white people taking the lead. What is the importance of intercultural awareness in that area? I, I know here in the Archdiocese we have um, racial justice circles that are, that are becoming more popular where you have honest conversations. Uh, mm -hmm. how, how important is that? It's very important because you have to meet people where they are, and you have to see people as people, and we all have commonalities. When I do my, um, when I was working on my uh, doctorate, I used appreciative inquiry as the uh, the way to introduce racism, and you just find the good. You look at the good, and you go from there. So if you have common things, you have things in common. You know, it's easier to deal with if you see people as people and not as others or you know, somebody that's going to do something to you, it, it just makes it easier. I think just hearing those stories makes a difference, too. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to think about racism in the abstract and think, oh, I, I've never seen that. But then to hear someone actually tell his or her story of how exactly. racism, it, it definitely makes a difference. You know, all it takes is you being followed in a grocery store one or, or a department store one time, you know, or being accused of taking something or falsely accused of a crime. You know, look at all the people who've been just minding their own business, driving while black, looking at birds in the park, and people lose their minds because they see a black person or, or an Asian person or whatever person of color. I think sometimes when people talk about the, quote, black Catholic community, they get a certain picture in their mind's eye as if the black Catholic community was a monolith, but, no. <laughs> but the truth is black Catholics in our archdiocese love gospel choirs, African drums mm -hmm. and liturgical dance. And then there's others who are just as devoted to Gregorian chant and traditional mm -hmm. Latin mass. Could you talk about yeah. the, diver the diversity within the black Catholic community? Yeah, we're not a monolith. I personally like the livelier masses, but certain times of year, like during Lent, I, I can go with, uh, a high mass. I don't ha like Holy Week so much because of the incense, but I have asthma. Right. <laughs> but but um, yeah, we're we're a diverse group, you know. Um, and it's okay. We're all Catholic. We're all Catholic. I'm just happy to be in a diocese where there are a lot of Black Catholics. Because in Youngstown, there were only 200, wow. less than 200. Mm -hmm. 
Many of the urban parishes of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and, and this is probably the case across the country, uh, that, are, that are predominantly black, they're, they're just wonderful communities. I, I was recently at St. Wenceslaus in East Baltimore, where I, mm-hmm. I, I was actually baptized there 50 years ago. But, but I, I discovered it to be such a warm community. They have the Gift of Hope AIDS hospice there, and they do tremendous oh. communi- community outreach. But it's a really mm-hmm. small, small community. They, they only get 60 to 70 people to go to Mass, and they have the challenge challenges associated with maintaining these big, historic, beautiful buildings without a lot mm-hmm. of people in their congregation. So how do you see your office and the archdiocese and parishes at large trying to support those smaller communities? I would say evangelization is the key. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to make sure your church is warm and inviting and clean and smells nice, you know, you know, just like your house, that the church is your church house, and then, you know, open it up to the community because there are a lot of people who are unchurched and sometimes we're not as welcoming as we can be. Okay. So, you know, go out and meet and greet people, have a basketball night for the youth or something, do something, you know, invite people in. Right. And so many of those parishes are doing that now, but maybe take that next, next step. And yeah, yeah. At one of my parishes, well, at my very first parish, I was on the evangelization team, and we decided that we were going to go out like the disciples, uh, two by two, and we took two blocks of the parish boundaries, in the within the parish boundaries, and we went out. There was a group that stayed and and prayed at the parish, and there was a group that made lunch, and you know those were the people that didn't feel like going out, and then. Um, the rest of us went out two by two and the stories that people had, because people were afraid, you know, we were out on a Saturday competing with the Jehovah's witnesses. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, our guest today is Adrian Curry. She's the incoming director of the office of black Catholic ministry in the archdiocese of Baltimore. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the upcoming Juneteenth celebration. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic review radio. We'll be back in a moment. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocesan Pastoral Council, established by Archbishop William E. Laurie in 2019 to facilitate dialogue between the Archbishop and the laity of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, is seeking applications to fill four positions on the 13-member consultative body. Yvonne Wegner, Archdiocesan Director of Community Affairs, noted that the four positions include the at-large representative of the young adult community, a parishioner from Baltimore, and two parishioners from Western Maryland. Members should be regular participants in the sacramental and community life of their parish, accepting of the teachings of the Catholic Church, and possesses experience in prayerful discernment and excellent interpersonal skills. 
Members of the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council attend quarterly meetings at rotating locations throughout the Archdiocese. They provide counsel on major initiatives of the Archdiocese and establish regular contact with the local Catholic community to identify areas of focus or concerns of the laity. They are also responsible for remaining up to date on current issues affecting the Archdiocese and the global church through relevant publications and social media. For more on this story and information on how to apply, visit catholicreview.org. Pornography is a danger to public health and it threatens the dignity of all men and women, Pope Francis said. Quote, the dignity of men and women is also threatened by the inhumane and increasingly widespread practice of wombs for rent, in which women, almost always poor, are exploited and children are treated as commodities, he said. The Pope made his remarks in an address to members of the Federation of Catholic Family Associations in Europe during an audience held in the Vatican's Clementine Hall, June 10th. Quote, it's not only a matter of protecting children, which is an urgent task for authorities and all of us, but also of declaring pornography as a threat to public health, he said. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make veterans know just how much we appreciate their service. Please visit www.volunteer.va.gov. What will you do? With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic schools rise above. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek, and our guest today is Adrienne Curry. She's the incoming director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And in this second segment, we're going to talk about Juneteenth, which is coming up very soon. Uh, Adrian, thanks again for being here. Uh, could you tell us what Juneteenth is? A, a lot of people really aren't familiar with this new holiday. Sure. Juneteenth commemorates the end of slavery in the, in the United States. Um, I think it began in Texas because they were the last to know mm-hmm. that it, it had ended. I'm not familiar with, I forget what state it was, but it commemorates the end of slavery in the, in the United States. And so it causes us to take action on this one of the oldest national celebrations to end slavery, to look at social justice and the agency that 
it calls us to reflect upon and take action. Why is it important for Catholics in particular to observe Juneteenth? And what are some of the ways that Catholics can celebrate the holiday? I'm not familiar with what people are doing here in uh, the Archdiocese of Baltimore, but um, it goes back to my social justice roots. The cornerstone of Catholic social teaching is life and dignity of the human person. And that has been under attack since people got here in the United States. Um, and so it's, it's led to long-term systemic racism. And if we're all created in the image and likeness of God, and God didn't create junk, then why are you treating people like they're junk? Why are laws set up to, why are there two standards of justice? So these are things that we need to look at. How are you hiring people? How are you firing people? How are you um, doing your day-to-day work? You know, it doesn't matter that you have one black friend or whatever. You know, what are you doing to change systems? And that's important. And so it's important. It's not... Racism is not going to be changed overnight, but we need to start, we need to work on it and be conscious of it. And so that's the importance of Juneteenth for me. I think uh, representation is so important, even yes. with, within the church. I know there, there's there been a call for more African-American and minority representation just in everything from the priesthood to the diaconate to just having a, a voice at the table when uh, decisions are made. Uh, could you speak to that, the importance of, of just having that representation across the board? It, it's very important that people of color are at the table initially, not as an afterthought, not after things have been decided. We need to be there from the beginning so we can uh help set the tone and, and, and be part of the agenda. It's very important. Um, I, I am somewhat of a historian of uh, the history of black Catholics in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I always ask uh, the priests, the black priests that I know, uh, I interviewed Cardinal Gregory. Uh, he was our first auxiliary bishop black bishop in Chicago. So I asked him, what number were you at the seminary? And he said, 14. And he was, um, he's a convert. So I always try to get stories from, I I was able to interview um, from Tolton on. Well, I didn't interview Tolton, but up to 14. And some of the other priests that I know as well. So it's important you know, it's important for young men and women to see people who look like them. And Baltimore has more than some, but there's never enough. And thank God Pope Francis is making a lot of bishops, you know, of mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. Of course, here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, we, we have a very much loved uh, Bishop John Ricard, who was an auxiliary mm-hmm. bishop. I know here. Bishop Ricard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's the... Uh, General Superior of the Josephites, his religious mm-hmm. society. So he, he's been a, a great voice 
for a lot of these. And, and of course, Archbishop Laurie and the bishops here have, especially in recent years, have really promoted the importance of representation at, at the table that, that you spoke. Yes, it's very important. You know, usually I was very surprised when they said they were opening an office. I mean, they were, you know, hiring someone here for the office for black Catholics, because in a lot of dioceses, they're closing offices of black Catholics or, or ethnic ministries, whatever they decide to call it. And um, usually the office for ethnic ministries or black Catholics or whatever, that and the social justice offices are the first one to close. And those are the ones that are needed. As you prepare to take on this role, what, what are some of your goals? What do you hope to accomplish? I'm going to, uh, one thing that I'm going to do initially is try to go, I'm not going to pick a parish to go to, you know, permanently. I'm going to try to get to all the parishes. I want to meet the people and talk to the pastors and do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's important for me to hear what people need and what they want before I do anything else. Well, our guest today has been Adrienne Curry. She's the new director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Adrienne, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you for having me, George. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in His love.